There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. Now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Massari, here with co-host Mike Bunt. We're going to be going through training camp tomorrow, Check-ins were today. We got a lot to go over with training camp. Uh, everything's coming back together. The band is back together, Mike. So we got a lot of great content. We got the entire Cover One uh, podcast network getting together uh, this week. So all of us will be trickling in and out uh, throughout the week. So that's going to be fun to have Greg, Eric, uh, and the rest of the Thomas and the rest of the Cover One crew together, Mike. Uh, and then myself will be there at some point to make some great content, some great crossover content. We'll be there. Uh, we'll be in and out you know, through player availability, hopefully get some great interviews, uh, be different parts of the field to cover different sections of camp. So we're really excited for that this week and throughout all of training camp, that is. But, Mike, with camp less than, you know, getting close to 12 hours away, Mike, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. This is the start of one of the better times of the year, uh, the end of summer I uh, get to enjoy another month and a half of some nice weather while the Bills are practicing, getting excited for uh, the start of the regular season. Uh, and we have some some battles to talk about. We have some news regarding the pup list today. Uh, and then uh, just being back in Rochester, it's always a good time being back with the, the rest of the Cover One guys. So excited to see you later this week. And uh, it's going to be fun to have some of uh, the band back together uh, for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's you know, news comes fast and furious this time of year, Mike. As you just mentioned, the Bills did go ahead and sign two former third-round draft choices uh, from different uh, uh, different teams, and that is in Jay Sternberger uh, and Darrington Evans, uh, guys that have had loads of potential. Evans more recently had um, really good test results, 9-1 RAS score, a guy you're looking for athletically, really a similar mold to Hines, really. Uh, Hines has gone out and proven it. Uh, but Darrington Evans is more of a potential prospect. I mean, let's let's see what he can do. Expectations are I'm sure he's going to break some runs into camp just due to his his athletic profile and maybe break something in training camp that may be a fan favorite, still only 25 years old himself. If he can win the kick return, punt return job, look decent on, in the running room, he's got a path to the roster, and Sternberger does too. I mean, he's in a battle. Talk about battles uh, with Quentin Morris. Uh, Quentin Morris is kind of redundant, as I've said many times on different shows this week. He's kind of redundant to what you're looking for out of Dalton Kincaid, more that pass catching uh, ability, uh, you know, not necessarily, he will play in line, but not necessarily known for his blocking ability. The Bills 
have also tried out James O'Shaughnessy, who's known to be a fairly decent pass catcher as well as blocker, but they went ahead and chose Sternberger, which shows me that maybe that uh, third round pick development happened. 700 yards, a uh, bunch of touchdowns in the USFL. Uh, really one of the best targets, best players to come from there. So the, the Bills, and then they tried out a quarterback from the XFL and also a running back. So the Bills have also uh, really dominated these spring leagues. I didn't think they'd utilize it. Actually, that was the one thing I was like, Mike, I don't know that they'll utilize these spring leagues. I don't know the Bills are into that, uh, but they've proven me wrong. They've definitely had some tryouts. They've now signed a couple of guys. They all already signed Aitman, another guy that, that showed out uh, in the spring leagues. So they're the Bills are fully down for using this as a spring league. Uh, and maybe we'll see if somebody like Sternberger can prove like, Hey, I had some blocking chops back in, in, in maybe I didn't develop as much as a route runner. And now I'm ready to go. And now I'm, I'm more seasoned proving that he can beat against some, at least the lower end competition. So it's going to be interesting if he's used to this competition that he's going to see and maybe be a training camp guy himself. So Mike, and then also you had a couple of PUP guys, as you've already mentioned. Von Miller starts on the active PUP, which doesn't mean anything uh, besides he cannot practice, uh, but he can be off to the side with the trainer. But other than that, as, as far as the active PUP, you can be taken off of that at any time. Uh, and, any, and then, you know, you say you cannot go back on the PUP, though. That's kind of the rule. However, if you stay on at the entire training camp right around Ross Day, you could be put on the reserve PUP, which is just four weeks now but not practicing uh, throughout that. So I don't know that that's the best opportunity for anyone except a very long-term injury that uh, you may be thinking about. The benefit to PUP used to be you could come off of it. Now that benefit doesn't really matter anymore because it designated for a return on IR. So there's uh, there's that to watch out for. Also, you know, you had Jordan Phillips uh, find his way to PUP and Tyler Matikevich uh, also find his way to PUP. And then obviously Naeem Hines with the horrific – uh, jet ski accident getting hit uh, and then to his lower body and then tearing the ACL from that hit, um, you know, being out for the entire season. So hopefully uh, he's able to rehab for OTAs next year. And um, if it's, I mean, I'm not sure if it's more than just the, the ACL, but that's uh, what has been reported so far, Mike. So just a news dump there, a couple signings, a couple PUPs. Uh, how are you feeling? You know, I was fairly happy to not see some other names up there that I could have saw potentially be on there. Uh, so I'm not, that doesn't mean they're going to practice, but how are you feeling about what you've heard so far? Uh, as training camp opens, I, I feel decent. Not really anything unexpected from from my account outside of obviously the Naheem Hines uh, injury from the the jet skiing incident. But I figured that Von Miller would start uh, on the pup list um, coming back from the ACL. Obviously, there's some uncertainty about what is his timetable. Is it as positive as what he wants it to be uh, starting the year um, on the field? Probably not. But uh, I, I do think starting the training camp on a pup list would seem to indicate that, just like many of us have predicted, he's probably going to miss some time at the beginning of the year. How much? We'll see. Uh, it really just depends on how he continues to rehab and uh, get better uh, as time goes by. But, yeah, pretty much status quo uh, from uh, the end of mini camp. I, I, I really don't have any surprises going into uh, camp right now. I know the, the Naheem Hines uh, news is obviously devastating from his perspective, uh, missing an entire year. Uh, and who knows what this means for his NFL future, uh, where running backs really start to lose opportunities as they get older. And now coming off an ACL injury, what is this going to mean for him? Uh, from a Bills perspective, I don't think it's the end of the world. I know there were some people on social media that were uh, a little uh, upset and panicky yesterday, but I, I don't think losing your primary kick returner is a massive uh, loss uh, for the Bills. 
How are they going to use him in the offense? I'm not sure. Maybe there was a chance for an expanded role in the passing game. But even so, I don't think he was going to be someone that was going to get more than 25 to 30 catches. He's not really someone that you hand the ball off too much in the backfield. So we can always remember the the two kickoff return touchdowns against New England. But at the end of the day, you're talking about five yards per kick return uh, that he gave you. Um, compared to what they were averaging before he came to the team. So they would start at the 30 compared to the 25. It's obviously not nothing that you're losing, but I do have confidence there's other guys on this team that can step up uh, and do what's required of them. Yeah, I think what's interesting, Mike, is that uh, if you if you kind of break down the way this roster development worked, uh, they feel pretty confident in the skill and the upgrade to this roster. So that's that's first and foremost. I do believe it could be the best version of the roster that you've seen uh, in recent memories. Realistically, the only loss you had was Tremaine Edmonds. They did go ahead and do have two back-to-back third-round picks competing for that role as well as some veteran guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see this roster develop. And, I, and, and truthfully, everyone says that I know you're in this camp, I believe, every time I ask you what you're looking for out of training camp. It's stay healthy and going in beside a crazy Naeem Hines accident off the field. Um you know, they, they, they check in fairly healthy. There's been years when, you know, you have big name players on PUP. Someone comes in and, and is hurt. Um, so right now they're checking in pretty decent shape um, and probably even better shape prior to the jet ski accident. Uh, as you, you know, Jordan Phillips, you know, had this is from a procedure from last year. So he should, by all accounts, be healthy. And then as well as uh, Von Miller, obviously, we all know Von Miller's, um, you know, injury last year again on Thanksgiving. Thank God we're not playing on Thanksgiving any longer. So you know, by all accounts, he said he's ready to go. He looked good. I've heard from inside the locker room that he looks and they expect him to play sooner rather than later, whatever that means. Um, so I'm not sure himself, you know, he's going to tell you if we had him on the show right now, Mike, he's probably going to tell you he's pushing for week one. Like, I, I don't think there'd be any doubt if he was, you know, in the third box below us, there'd be any doubt that he would tell us he would be week, searching for week one. He wouldn't even be someone that says like, well, we got to see hopeful for the best, maybe week eight. He would be someone that sit here and tell us, you know, he's doing everything he can to be ready uh, in you know six weeks from now. So that's what's going to be super interesting is, is tracking his uh, his storyline, too, for me, because I think that defensive line with him and Leonard Floyd. And Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa, as we've already stated, A.J. Epinesa has statistics to be a good defensive end, too, and all the metrics point to that. And he's – or, excuse me, tight end four, uh, defensive end four. And he's going to be uh, in a position to where he's not going to be needed as much uh, as he was, as you have p- potentially two premier pass rushers. Gregory Rousseau it could be in there with them, and, and you know, you're not getting to rely on – uh, AJ Epinesa as much as there a role for Boogie Bash, and that's something else we need to talk about here today, Mike. So there's a lot of great roster development going on. I'm excited to see this defensive line unit even more. So let's flip the ball to the offensive side of the ball and talk talk about offensive line play. That guard room is completely rehabbed, completely overhauled, hand chosen with Connor McGovern, uh, hand drafted with Osiris Torrance. Uh, you can you can put, put Rick Bates in a in a versatile role. Uh, you have you know. You know, former Ike Butker is a guy that this this regime really likes. You have David Edwards from the Super Bowl with Aaron Cromer in years past. So you have a bunch of options there at the guard position, and it's worlds better. This offensive line the Bills could have used, 
greatly in the playoffs specifically last year. So we'll see how that all comes together. Uh, but Mike, what is immediately off the bat? What is a unit you're going to go to camp tomorrow, uh, Thursday yourself? What is a unit you're going to be studying as you're, you know, you first check in, let's say you had a choice to stand near any unit. What would be the most interesting to you as uh, as, as just a whole group? Uh, I'll cheat and I'm going to say two units. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm first going to look at the linebackers. I want to see what's going on. Uh, obviously, who's going to be the favorite to take over uh, Tremaine Edmonds role at middle linebacker? Is it uh, a returner like Tyrell Dodson? Is AJ Klein uh, part of the conversation because of his ex- experience um, and ability to start in the past? Is it one of the youngsters? Is Terrell Bernard in this picture? Balen Spector? Does Dorian Williams have a chance of playing his way into the competition? Those are all things I am wondering about heading into uh, this week. From what we were told this offseason, Kevin, we kept hearing Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson, Balen Spector. Now, two names that you're not hearing right there are Dorian Williams and A.J. Klein. So it'll be interesting how uh, they decide on this because we would say that Dodson might is probably more of the thumper while Balen Spector and Terrell Bernard would be more of guys that you would trust their coverage or uh, maybe their ability uh, to defend the pass. So I want to see how that plays out and who's getting the most reps uh, with the ones early on. And then the, the second position, you, you know, if you watch this show, you listen to us, we love wide receivers on the Going Deep <laughs> podcast. And, and yes, the, the Bills one and twos are, are pretty uh, solid with Diggs and Davis. But I want to see what are they doing with the slot receiver when Dalton Kincaid isn't out there? Is it uh, Trent Sherfield? Is it Khalil Shakir? Are they doing gadget things uh, early with Deontay Hardy? Or is he really um, – more than that, is he going to be a significant part of this offense? So those are the two things I'm going to be watching heavily uh, early on. Obviously, I could have said cornerback, too. Is there a battle between Elam and Dane Jackson uh, and some of the other guys, including Christian Benford but and Cam um, going forward? But I, I'm going to say linebacker and the depth wide receivers. Yeah, I think that those are very good units, Mike. I mean, for me. I got an interesting one. I, I saved this one for our show over a couple of shows that we have been on AJ. We would check out AJ's analysis yesterday. Um, you know, we were on Saturday, uh, Saturday. Yeah. With, uh, with Joe DeRosa and his show here on cover one. So we definitely under review. So we're, we're definitely, you know, around the block here, Mike, but I think something I've saved for my show, one position group I'm looking forward to is the running back room. Um, to me, I want to see who's going to win this job. Are they going to go premier back? Are they going to find a rotation for Latavius Murray and James Cook and Damian Harris? Does it look like it's just going to be Damian Harris with sprinkled in James Cook? Does it look like it's just going to all be James Cook with those guys as reserve roles, maybe in the, in the red zone, uh, down in the goal line or short yardage. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they utilize that. And all in all, I think the room between those three, uh, is better than obviously what they had last year going into training camp and having to rely on Duke Johnson, uh, you know, you know, rostering Taiwan Jones. Uh, we'll see what Devin Singletary loss means to this team and obviously rookie James Cook. Uh, so I, I, I do believe, and then obviously Zach Moss, who you later traded uh, after not being productive enough in Buffalo. So I think that this unit to me has a potential 
one of the best touchdown guys in the league in Latavius Murray. We can say what we want. He's ranked top 10 in some advanced metrics, especially in short yardage and ability to score touchdowns, uh, which would be very good because considering where the Bills had those little red zone lapses, even if there are anomalies uh, last season. So we'll see if he's able to increase that. Damon Harris at one time was our seven or $8 million projected running back, a guy that they've been relied on in New England heavily. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he projects here in this offense. And then a second year, another year developed under James Cook. That's going to be fun. And then we had yesterday, we had uh, Delvin Cook go on and say that he would love to play with his brother. He is still entertaining it himself. We don't know if uh, there's any interest on the Bills end, but for him to say that and he said he predicts to be in the AFC East, that's what it seems like he'll end. Um, you know, maybe two or three or four of those teams are still interested in him. I wouldn't be shocked if his price dips and dips and dips, especially after the Naima Hines news. I don't know that that's fully off the table, but it was interesting that for him to say this late in the game to still bring up Buffalo uh, as a potential. So that was just a fun little uh, blurb, but one that just caught my eye that what really were, why would he be still bringing up the bills? Is it a DeAndre Hopkins situation? But, you know, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the money uh, Hopkins got. So could be an interesting thing to track as he's mentioned playing with his brother would be uh, a really great uh, celebration for him. So we'll see if there's anything there as well as saying that's a possibility. So Mike, those are the running back room to me is pretty interesting because I want to see how much they utilize it and what it looks like with the rotation. Is there going to be a clear cut back? Is it going to be just a full third, 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 and then Darrington Evans and Sims mixing in? Um, or is there going to be more of a, of a feature back? So I think all of that to me is, uh, is pretty interesting as, as we've all said, like sure, beside right guard and Bates versus Torrance and, and Edwards, um, that's to me on the offensive side of the ball, pretty interesting. And the slot receiver position, how is that going to turn out? So the battle at the slot, the inside receiver position is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, are we going to see as much Dalton Kincaid there as we thought? Are we going to see him more in line? Are we going to never see him in line? Uh, there's definitely some big question marks with their big pass catching weapon that they that they chose the best tight end in a really good tight end class. They decide they pick their top weapon. So we know that this was the Bills' top tight end weapon on a really good class because they had every one available for them there. So that's a pretty interesting note, how they utilize him. I would imagine since April, they've been thinking about that, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that might be the most exciting thing to see going to camp uh, this week is how are they using Dalton Kincaid early on in, in practice? Is he just primarily focused in the slot and running routes? Is he going to be in line where are they going to be trying to, to use them early on? Because the more and more we hear from people that are connected to the Bills, it seems like they have a big role for him right off the bat. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. There's 
some talk. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN was on One Bills Live earlier this week, and he said there's some talk that he could be a top 10 tight end by the end of this season. So that is not any small feat. You, you look at what Dawson Knox has done in his career, and he's kind of a fringe top 10 tight end overall. Uh, obviously, he's a rounded guy that that can block and be productive in the passing game. But when you're looking at Dalton, can, um, when you're looking at Dawson Knox, you're looking at someone that is always going to be around 50 catches, 500 to 600 yards, and probably seven, eight touchdowns uh, on most years, uh, assuming that he continues the same trajectory. Now, if that's what Dalton Kincaid is as a rookie, or somewhere around there, uh, maybe not the touchdown numbers you're getting some nice production uh, right off the bat from him. So I think it's going to be fun to see what the Bills plans are for him early because if we go out to the first preseason game of the year and and you see Dalton Kincaid get three, four catches for for 50 yards right off the bat, I think that might show that this isn't just one of those normal – first round, second round tight ends that you slowly build into your offense, but rather someone that they think can be an explosive player uh, early on in his career for the Bills. Yeah, I think the expectations point here is pretty important. Like, are we going to keep our expectations in check? I've heard everything from people being realistic to people basically saying he's up there with Kelsey already. Uh, So it's definitely something that uh, we need to kind of keep in check. There has been very poor tradition on first round tight ends just historically. Um, You know, there's been it's kind of like running back in a way where there's been better history at the third round level, uh, just like there is at the running back position in day two. Uh, Same same type of history for tight end that you have to, you know, kind of. And decrease those expectations. And Kev, we did say this on um, one of our shows uh, too the other day. He is in a different position than a lot of rookie tight ends that are drafted in the first round, given the fact that he already has arguably a top 10 tight end in the NFL next to him that he's going to learn from that. He's, uh, he has a mentor uh, teaching him uh, the NFL game. So I think that does or should help him from a developmental standpoint. I also think it helps with the fact that he won't necessarily be relied on to be uh, a, an important blocker uh, on the line early on in his career where they can let Dawson Knox take care of some of the dirty work on the line while Kincaid is getting better at that aspect of his game. Uh, you, you look at the size, Kincaid is a little bit smaller than Knox overall. Uh, I think having a guy like Dawson on this team lets Kincaid uh, start out primarily focusing on the receiving game. And then as the season goes on, maybe you can get him more uh, in line. Because like you said, the, ultimately for the 12 personnel to work at its best, you need to have the threat that you could run or pass on any given play. Uh, so you can uh, basically attack defenses and whatever they're they're bringing at you from a scheme perspective so he will need to to add that aspect to his game in time but I think early on you're looking at a uh, a tight end that's going to be primarily focused on 
helping out the passing game. Yeah. At least and what's, the first quarter, the first half of the season. At least the first half. Yeah. What's interesting to me is that the the, the tight end hasn't projected well because they're learning how to block. They're learning how to block NFL defensive ends. They're learning how to add into 12 personnel. They're you know, maybe in some situations they're learning to, to only be in 11 personnel as the down line tight end in line tight end, excuse me. So like in, in, in a stretch, it's a really hard position to learn, but this might be simplified for, for Kincaid. He's not going to need to immediately jump in and know all the 11 personnel, 12 personnel sets in line. So it's going to help his statistics, you know, just at least raw statistics that he's just going to go in and be like, Josh Allen's going to throw you the ball, run your routes, get open, make a catch and contested catch. If that's the, if that's what's called, um, you know, if you're running a quick slant, if you're running, you're going to be the underneath player. Uh, you're going to be getting easy catches. You're not going to be running, you know, fly patterns uh, deep in the deep third, you know, trying to, you know, compete against the best safety in the league on the run. I think you're going to see some easy targets for him and the bills are going to ski. He's going to be what scheme differences from last year. Offensively. He is what's going to be uh, the Josh Allen safety valve that they were missing last year with those sure hands, the big target and the big athletic ability. So I think that it's different. Like, I think you need to compare him more to a third receiver uh, until I hear otherwise or see otherwise with my own eyes uh, that he's in line and he's trying to block. And uh, we have a learning curve there. I think it's more fair to compare him against with, you know, the Jordan Addison's of the world in terms of, I think he's going to come in and get a significant target share. That's going to then eke thus equal those raw statistics that everyone looks for in fantasy and in box scores. And we'll see how those advanced analytics look after the fact, but at least on a box score statistic, as long as he stays healthy and he's, and he is learning the playbook and doing what he needs to do. Those raw statistics should come. So I do believe that it's not crazy that he has good numbers. And it isn't because he's the world's best tight end ever come in since Kelsey. I think it's going to be because the volume and the offense that he's going into are going to favor him. And the amount of pass catching ability uh, plays that he's going to be in the lineup for are going to be huge as compared to someone who might check in for run only sets. So that w- might be what favors and say over a Trent Shurfield, who for sure uh, we'll, we'll see a lot of run blocking snaps as that's what he's a lead at in that in special teams. And, and Kevin, he's going to be playing a role that is very favorable to him putting right. up numbers. And it was a role that was severely lacking on this Bills offense last year. For as good as their numbers were from a metric standpoint, the one thing that really made this Bills offense kind of ugly at times was their lack of having a safety valve in important situations. When Teams started bracketing Diggs and basically taking him out. There wasn't really that next guy that you could rely on on a big play to throw to them and know that they're they're going to be open. And that's what Cole Beasley was to this Bills offense for three years, not counting last year. But that's why some of the people when Dalton Kincaid was first draft were were referring him to as a big Cole Beasley or swole Beasley, not because he is – the the same caliber player that Beasley is already because let's be real Beasley during his second third year in Buffalo he was putting up really good numbers and he was playing at uh, an elite level for a slot receiver but it's the the easy passes that he'll create for a guy like Josh Cole could read uh, a defense a defender know how to read their leverage and basically get wide open pretty quick pretty easy with a guy like Dalton Kincaid, with his with his body, with his frame, he can bo- he can box out certain guys and basically be a safety valve for for Josh to to make those tight throws. But he also has the ability to 
put his foot down and, and get open and do different things. So I, I think this is the perfect addition for the Bills offense. And it's a big reason why I really haven't been focused on or not not focused, but not really as worried about who wins the wide receiver three battle overall. I'm, I'm excited about that battle, but I, I'm not really worried at the end of the day who wins it. Uh, because I think Dawson Kincaid is going to come in right away and be around a 50-plus catch guy. I don't want to say he's going to be a 750, 800-yard tight end year one, because I think that's... Where do you uh, have him at if you have to that, lock it in right now? If you have to lock it in right now, preseason, where are you locking in? For for yardage and receptions? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. If, if I had to lock it in right now, I'll say he gets 50 to 55 receptions. For about 550 yards, okay. I'll put him down for five touchdowns. I, I, I think year one, if you get that production from him, you're pretty happy right away. Yeah. And real lastly on the lock and how much, what percentage of the snaps do you think he plays? What's your guess? For Kincaid, that, that's a tough one because a lot of these rookie tight ends, they don't play a massive percentage, but being the slot receiver and being as talented because i think when we watch him during camp it's going to become noticeable pretty quickly uh that he is a level above what else we can throw at that spot i think he's going to be 55 percent, something like that maybe, maybe a little bit higher i don't i don't know what a respectable number i'm not uh a snap count no, guy no, like the rest of you but uh, playing a little bit more than half would seem like a fair number to start out uh, as a first round pick rookie yeah, what's interesting, I think people expect him to play no 12 personnel. Like, they don't know, like, in terms of when he checks in, is he going to be in line at all during during certain two tight end sets? That's what's going to be interesting. I'm tracking his – that's what will jut that from 40 to 50% snap share to 55, 60, 65. Is he going to see – I'm not saying he's going to play it much, at least in the first season, but how much 12 personnel is he going to be in, in line, down lineman on the on the edge, helping out one of his his tackles, if at all? Is he, I mean, obviously you're going to have some 23 personnel, some goal line, um, you know, other words, goal line, or maybe 13. There's going to be ways that you might bring in other tight ends. I'm not sure, but he's going to have to play some down. Uh, if not, I'm, I don't know. They're definitely going to need to carry one of the, the tight ends we've talked about earlier on, in, in the show. Um, if he's not going to play any down, and then he's essentially literally is a receiver. Um, so it's going to be interesting to track that usage uh, from, you know, what Brandon Bean said in preseason to now. Because if he's going to play 50, 60, 65, 70, those stats could rise. He's going to be a big mismatch if he's able to get down other personnel groupings other than 11 and then maybe spreading out on a 12 person, uh, you know, bringing him for 12 and then spread it out to a lot, look like an 11 look, um, all types of different things. But if he's actually going to be down and learn a little bit of the blocking side of things, not trucking elite, we're not talking great. Uh, even great or maybe even good, maybe just serviceable. Um, that's where that's going to jut that snap count up. So I'm very interested to see early on in training camp, if the bills are going to dupe us by showing us none of that, if they're going to show us that he's going to be down a lot and, and maybe not in the regular season. So I'm, I'm just really interested to see what they're going to do with this guy. Not even just from a pure statistical standpoint, from a formation, if he's just going to be in the slot, if they're actually going to line him up next to uh, Dawson or uh, Dalton King or uh, next to um, uh one of their tackles, depending on, you know, I'm assuming Spencer Brown wins the role, but I'm a, will he line up next to Spencer Brown at all or uh, Deion Dawkins? So that, all that is very interesting to me as we kind of piece together what what happens in training camp. That is definitely something you can take away from training. You can't take away those splash runs, uh, but you can take away 
What do they look like in certain formations? What are the Bills looking to do with that player? Is he on the move a lot, say, in a Hardy situation? Is he stagnant a lot? Is he in certain packages? That kind of stuff you can absolutely take away from training camp. You can't necessarily just because he made a one-handed catch. Uh, does that mean anything? Not really. Just because. And another I, thing, it's, a, it's always important to watch, too, is who's playing with the first-teamers? Who's playing second-teamers? Right. Uh, when when you're making a big play, but it's going up against the second-teamers, that's not going, going to amount – do as much to the coaching staff sure. as if you do it against the first teamer. So uh, that's something definitely to look out for, because I feel like a lot of the times we get fascinated by, like you said, a, a, a nice catch or uh, a receiver getting a, a bunch of receptions. But if you're doing it against the depth guys, if you're doing it against lower level talent, that doesn't get you as many brownie points at the end of the day. Um, and not that you didn't do something nice, but you got to do it against the best of the best on the team in order to make an impression. Yeah. And I think what's the, the coach, you're, you're right. The coaching staff would much rather you see go six catches for, I don't know, 87 yards in the preseason against all ones. Uh, that's a pretty productive styling rather than going in the preseason, you know, 20 catches for 300 yards and two touchdowns against third teamers. I, that looks great. It looks like you're going to be the best tight end in the league, but you're right. They'd rather much rather you see with Josh Allen with, potentially against the other team's ones if they play them. Those are the situations you're looking for in actual situations, not just trying to come back late in a preseason game or something where it doesn't really matter um, against thirds. Uh, and you're just running, you know, draw, running and catching, playing backyard football, which can happen at times in the fourth quarter, depending on the game flow of, of those preseason games. So uh, to me, you'd rather see some productive six to eight than they would uh, 300 yards against third teamers. Uh, that, that'd be fun for us to talk about here on the show and, and in, in fantasy shows and stuff. But um, they'd much rather you see you be productive against a team's, you know, looking to run their base defense and running uh, their actual starters out there. Um, but, you know, the 300 yards would be fun, too, to lead the preseason and catches or something. Uh, but never forget more... the A.J. McCarron comeback preseason right. game against the Bears or Isaiah Hodgson's lighting it up in the previous preseasons and stuff like that but at the end of the day uh, what we even said last year on our show when Hodgins was tearing it up in the preseason we kept saying who's he doing it against right it was second streamer stringers and uh granted Isaiah Hodgins has proven that he's an NFL caliber player and that he deserves more reps he deserves an opportunity and he's done the most of his opportunity with the Giants but strictly from reading the tea leaves from how does the Bills coaching staff feel about player X or player Y. It was pretty clear, even though Hodgins was putting up stats last year in the preseason, that the Bills coaching staff wasn't as high on him as what fans were based on how he was producing. Yeah, I mean, there was the league, Mike. He went unclaimed through the first round of cuts. So let's be honest for a second. Team, bad teams, I'm not saying what the Giants were good or bad, but bad teams, medium teams, they literally looked at their roster and liked every single player on it more and factoring in their injuries. They may or may not have had throughout preseason more than Isaiah Hodgins did. So after that training camp he had and preseason, literally every team decided not nah, just let him stay on the Bills practice squad. We don't, we don't want that individual. And they, you know, you know, went with the Raheem Blackshear really quickly off the Bills practice squad. He also sat on the practice squad where he could also be signed at any point. It wasn't just one quick waiver claim situation. So uh, that doesn't mean a player is not necessarily good. That's not a great correlation, but it does mean that the way that the league interpreted 
even that off season or many past off seasons wasn't great. And I think you made a good uh, comparison uh, somewhere, either on a show or somewhere uh, where it's kind of like when Robert Foster as an undrafted came in uh, to Buffalo and literally was going against Andre Holmes and, and the the ghost of Calvin Benjamin. You got to throw it to somebody like just because you're the best of a poor crop doesn't mean that you're good. Uh, You're going to put up volume numbers just by being the number one, target on a team on a weekly basis for a little while so that that yeah not to get too much into the giants but that's the one thing of well they, they seem to be the bills that. right brandon yeah. bryant you know uh cole beasley they signed uh i mean i, I they literally like victor but like like vernon butler like like their roster was full of ex um mcdermott players so it is it is pretty interesting to see uh um the, the gamut of of players that they you know what I mean do they even stay they I mean they even rolled with Matt Breida last year and still do so uh they I mean they really they really and then Jamison Crowder uh they really and then obviously they had um you know in and out throughout the season they were playing different bills at times so now they have Cole uh, they have Tommy Sweeney like the Giants have become yeah. the equivalent to what the Bills were doing to Carolina poaching all of their players uh throughout the years because it makes it easier. Uh, you got guys that know the system; they're familiar with the coaching staff. Feliciano. And, yeah, it, it, it's easier to teach and uh, kind of say this is how we do things because those players are already familiar with uh, the, how the coaching right. staff wants to operate. Right. So it's not even really always about the talent. It's more so it makes it an easier teaching and development process for everyone else. But yeah, that that I, is something. I, I did have written down here for today's show and we're on the topic actually. If so, the bills actually, here's what I was told that the bills are so worried that they would actually cling Tommy Sweeney um, who now is on the Giants. So they were probably right. They were so worried at the time they wanted, they didn't have, you know, obviously Dalton Kincaid. Um, they kind of needed that depth behind Quentin Morris because Quentin Morris, as we talked about is more redundant. Um, you know, he's kind of redundant with Kincaid, but last year he wasn't really, he, you know, they, they kind of needed a, maybe a second pass catching option. And he, and he, he was okay at times, you know, he made a couple of big catches in the season, but uh, they, they didn't know what roster space to move. So they, they thought that they would, they would, you know, essentially leave Hodgins alone and take Sweeney and they ended up signing Sweeney. So they cut Hodgins, keeping Sweeney on the roster, trying to play games with the giants. And they were obviously going to claim either of them, apparently, um, you know, playoff potential playoff team. That's still, you know, looking for waiver wire players at this stretch, uh, which kind of goes to like, how strong is that roster really at the bills? You know, you're taking their 53rd or 54th, 55th man. I don't know exactly how strong your roster is. If is that fool's goal to be in the playoffs at that stretch, but Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
a fun game I want to play with you, Mike. If the Giants cut any of those players, Hodgins, Sweeney, more just say, we'll just say on Hodgins because that's fun. If they cut Hodgins, and we can play this game, I guess, with any of those guys, he's probably the really only notable one. Um, would the Bills sign him back? Would, if, if for some reason he doesn't make their 53, which I don't think anything's a for sure guarantee there. I mean, they have Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley, Bryce Ford Wheaton. I don't think anything's a foregone conclusion that any of those guys, maybe besides like Sterling Shepard and Jalen Hyatt, are for sure on their maybe Slayton too, are for sure on the roster. Would you take Hodgins back right now if he was cut August thirtieth? Would, would I? Yes, I, I would take him. Okay. Would Hodgins right. come back to Buffalo? I doubt he might it. Have choice uh, if he's and, if he's a claim. And if he was available, I think it would be a very similar situation to what last year was i mean just because he's had some success with another team like we just said kev when you're one of a bunch of guys that really aren't nfl caliber uh starting caliber receivers or at least that's how we perceived hodgson's up until that point someone has to get the ball but you come back to buffalo and, and granted hodgson's has proven he's at least an nfl uh player where like he deserves to be on a roster he deserves to play but if he comes here, you still have Diggs, you still have Davis, and you're still planning on playing Kincaid in the slot. Where is he going to be? He's still your, at best, number three wide receiver. And I could see it. I, I could see this happening, um, like, in my, in my head right now, where he would come to Buffalo. Fans would be so excited. All, all the fans that were saying, oh, you messed up by letting him go to the Giants. You messed up. He'd be on the on the Bills as the three receiver, and suddenly he's getting like two catches a game. He'd finish the year with like 350 yards, and fans would be like, "Oh, he's not that good." Well, because his role wouldn't be to be the primary guy. It, right. it, like your role contributes just as much to uh, your statistics at times as your actual talent. Like if you you could be a starting running back on a team, almost any team in the NFL, and run for 650, 700 yards. You're the same player, and then you're suddenly a backup on another team. You're not going to put, you're not going to put up the same numbers, or if you get less carries, it's going to be different. So, I think we we don't put context to it enough for why he had the success he had in New York. New York, credit to him, but I don't think it would be the same story if he came back to Buffalo. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I agree with you, but I think the that. Um... You know, Bills fans would be interested, but guess who that would mean? That would mean a fan favorite, Khalil Shakir, Justin Shorter, someone like that would lose the roster. Are are those guys for sure worse than Isaiah Hodgins? Are we sure? Do are we sure that those that those fifth round picks from the Bills are definitely worse than Isaiah Hodgins, a former sixth round? Pick? Are we sure that? We don't even know if Jake Kumaro was worse than Isaiah Hodgins. No, I mean they, we don't. Say Jake Kumaro went to New York and Isaiah stayed in in Buffalo. Could Jake Kumaro have had? 25 catches in half a season if he was the primary guy? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think a lot of times we overreact to small sample sizes. It, it, They can show what you're capable of, but how many times have we seen this happen with the Bills? We, we already mentioned Robert Foster. He had, me, he had me fooled that he could be a number two receiver on the Bills in the future, and I was way off with that. We've seen it with running backs, guys like Carlos Williams, Mike Gillisley, where they go on these – uh, small sample sizes and they trick even guys like bill belichick into signing them 
uh, and people uh, fall for it all the time. So that's not to say that Hodgson's won't pan out and couldn't be a good receiver in the NFL, but I want to see it over a full season where he has a, a complementary group of receivers where it's not just him and a bunch of guys that should be fourth fist stringers uh, just bashing it out uh, to end the season. Now it's time for a segment that we've played on other shows and we have to say, name your favorite player going into camp who you think is going to surprise. And as I always fool Mike or, or, or Josh with Mike about is um, you can't pick someone in the top 40. Um, who is your favorite camp surprise going in? Also your surprise cut uh, as well. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a favorite topic. It's a good topic to get going. I'm, and then I'm happy to revisit this uh, in a month, uh, to, you know, that during maybe our cut down show, uh, which will be, uh, you know, we'll be really close on a Tuesday uh, for cut down day. So we'll, we'll be able to revisit some of these takes, Mike. But first and tell me your favorite player um, that no one's talking about or your or you're likely to make the team and then your surprise cut. Can we do can we do offense and defense? Sure. So my two favorite players on offense and these, you would probably count them as top 40 guys. I, I would count them as top 40 guys, but they're not guys that are in the top 20. Uh, let's just say that. I would say Khalil Shakir and Latavius Murray. Okay. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Shakir right now and are just completely overlooking him. And I get it. They signed Deontay Hardy. He's going to have a role, regardless of if it's the McKenzie role of last year in the slot or the McKenzie role of the past where he's a gadget guy. Sherfield, we obviously know, can block. But I am not ready to give up on Khalil Shakir yet. I don't know uh, if he's going to have a big statistical season, but I think he's still part of the Bills' future plans, and I do believe that he could still surprise people and maybe be a 25-catch-plus guy uh, on this team going forward. And with Latavius Murray, I feel the same way. When he was signed, uh, obviously everybody's focused on James Cook and Damian Harrison. Maybe those guys are the clear one-two running backs. But Latavius Murray has just been solidly productive for close to the last decade. Everywhere he goes, he just keeps on producing. Uh, He's a threat in the red zone. And I really do think – the reason you have the backfield the way it is to ha- is to have a three-headed monster. Uh, I don't think Cook is going to be treated as a bell cow. And I don't know if you can even say that there's a huge gap between Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Uh, a right. lot of people are all saying how great Harris is based off of one really solid season in New England. But if you looked at their careers as a whole, I think there's an argument that Latavius Murray is just as good of a football player, if not better than what Damian Harris uh, has been uh, in his career. Obviously, age plays a role. Uh, Murray is much older and at the twilight. But uh, those would be my two guys that they're not going to light it up, but maybe they could surprise potentially. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, I think – What's interesting, like I said, I'm I'm all about the running back room, so I don't I don't mind that because I'm I'm very eager. That is seriously, I'm very eager to see how that ends up turning out. So, um, I really love the way that that running room has turned out, and will it get added to? I don't know. I don't think anything is done on this roster, any position group beside quarterback. Maybe not even, maybe not even backup quarterback. So, uh, I think that any any position could be added at any time if Brandon Bean finds a guy, as his famously says, who will take two million dollars. So it's very interesting to see 
uh, how the whole whole roster play out. But for me, a guy that I'm watching for specifically to the, who to make this roster roster, and I've said it on a couple of shows now, is Richard Garage. He's a guy that can win a tackle job with a, a tackle unit that features. David Quisenberry and Brandon Shell. Nothing else. One injury there, he could be on the roster. If not, priority practice squad guy. But he's a guy who's played at Florida with um, Shorter and with Osiris Torrance. So he's played on an offense. He has familiarity with the style of offense. And can he be come in and earn a job? He was pretty good uh, in Florida. Thought he was going to get drafted, and he is uh, on the priority level for me. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to come in and earn the final offensive lineman spot. Or if not, continue to be developed on the practice squad uh, as, as the, as the call up tackle if needed for injury. So uh, that's, that's a guy that I'm watching out for. And my deep sleeper sleeper end is a UDFA and Richard garage. I don't think it's crazy that they'd go ahead and, and roster him if necessary, especially if there's any type of small or long-term injury there at the position. I like the Latavius Murray pick because uh, I do think that there's a chance that he might lead the running backs in rushing touchdowns. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, so definitely always watch him, uh, Darrington Evans and Jordan Mims. That is, it is worthy with the, with the news, especially if, if they don't sign another running back um, that they could um, develop you know, one of those guys uh, behind the older um, Latavius Murray and Jay Sternberger, a guy they just signed. Can he, can he beat out? Uh, Quentin Moore. So that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. Has he developed enough through through the spring leagues and others uh, to be on this roster? So that's that's going to be a, a pretty fun one. A guy that I have to to fight for playing time, Christian Benford. He beat out Kyrie Elam once. He's a guy they love his his tackling ability. They love his ability to play in zone. They love what he can do safety and corner. We'll see if he's a versatile piece to this offense or defense. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what they do with Christian Benford. Uh, he's going to be a guy I'm going to keep my eye on. And he isn't a surprise make it because obviously he's on the roster, especially with what he's able to do and his salary level. But will will he actually be a surprise playing time candidate? Uh, that's going to be uh, my one of my top guys that no one's really talking about. Like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all that he's just a reserve and not playing uh, as this regime absolutely loves that guy. And, and a guy in the clone of him, and I've heard a lot about him lately, is Alex Austin, too, in the same position group. A guy, the seventh round pick. I think the Bills are sick and tired of the Jets and the Giants and other teams stealing the Rashad Wild Gooses of the world or, um, you know, Jack Anderson's. Uh, they, they continue to have play. We talked about Hodgins, former third day three picks. They're sick of having these day three picks plucked. Will they stop rostering special teams guy? Guys in a year where there's more and more uh, rules protecting special teams and less returns, uh, or they continue to roster special teamers. So it's really interesting. Will will they stash guys like uh, Alex Austin? Obviously shorter. I don't. I don't. I don't see a path to him getting cut. But Nick Broker is another one. Will they rather roster him over a Richard Garage? Well, you know what I mean. So I think the the ability to roster these late round draft choices and hope that the other veterans or Richard Garages of the world can sit on the practice squad. So I think that they're, uh, you know, they're sick of having their draft choices who they like to see what they have from uh, getting claimed by other teams before they can fully see their potential. So that's going to be uh, something to keep an eye on uh, as this roster continues to go. And Cameron Dantzler is a guy that I don't think is out of the running. So this cornerback room is pretty fun. Um, you know, even if we think we have it figured out, Ken Dantzler, Ken Benford, Alex Austin, can they make Dane Jackson expendable to a late day three trade. I think in an ideal situation, that's what would happen, Mike. So this corner room, it isn't necessarily, you know, at the top. Sure. I think we think I Elam and Trey, and then obviously Taron Johnson, but behind that, 
The four through six gets fun quickly. Will they still continue to roster Saran Neal as a special teamer? So it gets pretty interesting what they're going to do with four through six at the corner room. Yeah, I, I love the Christian Benford pick. I do think he's going to be a contributor on this team in 2023. Yeah. If you, if you had to ask me at this moment right now, who would you rather see, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson? I go Christian Benford just based on the upside alone. He did show a lot in a limited uh, amount of time last year. I think Dane Jackson might be able to, to get you a sixth or seventh round pick on the market if a team has an injury to their their secondary room and they're looking for someone that they could plug uh, and get by for a period of time. So I do think uh, Dane Jackson is more tradable um, than maybe some other players on the Bills roster. And if I had to pick a few other players on the Bills defense, I know that he started last year in place of um, Micah Hyde. But I do think a lot of people are now overlooking DeMar Hamlin. Now, I'm not saying this from a surprise how is he going to play on the field? But I think a lot of people have just kind of overlooked the fact that he is playing football and that he he has come back from this, this heart incident where he seemingly died on the field, had a commodio uh, cordis, and he's making a comeback. And I expect him to, to be on this roster. I know some people are saying, well, maybe they'll cut him because who knows what his long-term health is. He's gotten the go-ahead from doctors. He's been cleared. His mindset is he's playing football. And I know a lot of people have said, what is he going to be like? Well, the first time someone goes to contact him, only he knows that. But I don't want to speculate that he won't be ready for it. And I think if he is part of this team, like I expect, it will be interesting what his what his role will be. Obviously, he's a backup, but there's been a lot of speculation that the Bills could run more dime this year or that they could uh, mix things up a little bit to try to, to confuse teams in certain um, certain down and distances. Obviously, Taylor Rapp is part of uh, the team right now, so that would appear to be the number three safety. But could DeMar Hamlin still have a, a little bit of a role? And then the last guy I'm going to name, I'm not saying this name to say I'm expecting big things. All I'm going to say with this name is I think the fan base – has started to use him too much of a, a a cut candidate, and they're overlooking the fact that there is sometimes a developmental period with defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I would not cut Boogie Basham. Okay, I I am not giving up on a a former third round pick entering his third season uh, with the team. I, I believe that the fan base. They're they're wanting more production from him. They want him not to be invisible at times. But it is not good asset management to just get rid of these guys after two seasons. Some players take longer to find their stride. If he was a, a first-round pick, we'd be even more upset, but we would never even think about getting rid of him at this point. We would be saying, give him another year. Let's see how it how it molds together. I We had a talk with AJ the other day where AJ was mentioning how Shaq Lawson is a lock for the roster in his opinion and that Boogie Basham would be the guy he cuts. I, I love AJ and I respect his opinions, but I couldn't disagree more. And, and my reason being is you, you owe nothing to Shaq Lawson. He is a veteran fighting to just hang on in the NFL for another year or two. He is a solid run defender. 
but he's a fifth defensive end in your room. So on the other hand, you have a third round pick who you still have under contract for another couple of years who you, you drafted in that spot because you seemingly see something in it. Who's to say that Boogie Basham can't find a little bit higher level where he could be at least adequate when he's playing for your team. And we got to remember too, when it comes to Shaq Lawson versus Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson was a top 20 pick who seriously took about four years to get to the point where he was an above average player in the NFL or even slightly above average in the NFL. Shaq Lawson was not someone that day one, day two was lighting it up. It took him a long period of time to really establish himself on the bills. And then when he went to teams like Miami, when he went to Houston, when he went to the jets, none of those stops lasted more than a year. And then he ended up back in Buffalo on a cheap contract. So I would say this, I am still going to give Boogie some time heading into camp, heading into the early part of the season. And I want to see, is this really all we're getting from him or is there room for him to continue getting better? I'm not saying he's ever going to be great, but I am hoping that he can at least improve from what he has shown uh, his first two years in the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm on the boogie bash. He's also going to be one of the defensive ends signed next year too. So something to keep in mind with AJ Epinesa, obviously Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be Sitchin Shaq Lawson. There's going to be situations to where right now he's walking into being, and by the way, uh, I'm sorry. I said third round pick. I meant second round pick that even more so should close the door on cutting a guy that you used as a top 61 pick just two years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I think that you, you, you are afforded that, that year. And I don't, and I mean, I think that he has every ability to be a really good depth player on this roster. I don't think there's any need to dump, dump him. I think there there's already plans to have him and Shaq Lawson on the roster anyway. So I don't think it's an either or situation, whoever is making it out to be like that. I don't agree with. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's, it's a situation to where you can only keep uh, one of those guys. Um, and if you look at contracts and I always like to, because it tells us paints a picture of what the team thought of a player going in, um, you know, to a, to a situation. And to me, one of the mo- more likely scenarios is that does Jordan Phillips come back? Is he healthy? When will he play? Will he, do they expect him to play at a high level? Will they utilize him later in the year? Because he saves the Bills uh, $1.65 million to cut. So uh, he's got to be have a future role here um, to to be considered and to, to keep that roster position. So that's something that I'm keeping my eye on. That's in-season money that the Bills could use uh, if needed. So that's, that's just a note to know that you can generally look at a contract and, and make some analysis from it, uh, what the team is thinking about doing. Uh, with with a certain player and you know you know basham doesn't really save them a ton of money 800k there's really not a a huge benefit to moving on early from a guy like that without a higher return which you're not going to get either so uh right now i really like to utilize him uh in a in a reserve role when it's coming to compete and uh you know i think that they're going to keep these guys especially based on what vaughn's doing anyways so it's going to be a uh, a fun defensive end group. And I think that this is another unit where it's the same, but they added Leonard Floyd. So I think that it's going to be a fun unit to watch. And then obviously, a f- hopefully uh, Von Miller back and healthy uh, very quickly. So I think it's going to be an interesting unit and one where 
if the Bills upgraded at, like, I, I'm interested to see if the Bills make any in-season moves this year, Mike, as you kind of develop this roster. You know, they went for nine Hines last year. Will there be a receiver available? Where the, will there be a premier defensive player? Uh, it's going to be an interesting season for the Bills, and one where I feel like they are going to continue to be all-in uh, as well as 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 they have Josh Allen and even Stephon Diggs on restructured contracts. Uh, the time is now still for this team. There's no windows while you have Josh Allen, um, but it is one of those seasons where it's still an all-in type of year. Will Brandon Bean finally push some final cards to the table, uh, whether it's via trade market, whether it's you know in keep increasing players like Delvin Cook, or um, if it's still just miniature um, budget. Uh, veterans that will come to play in Buffalo. So that's something I'm keeping my eye on as training camp continues. Brandon Bean can't help himself as players are cut or put on the trade market. Uh, there's going to be situations I know, and you know, we've done it with Hopkins uh, to a lesser extent others, but uh, there's going to be times in the next couple of weeks where we're going to hear about players and, and definitely the bills will be tied to them as they always usually are. Um, and it's going to be fun to hear those names come mid to late August too. With, with what's Brandon being going to do with this with this roster? Is he going to sell himself and get some draft choices, or is he going to go out and make some win now moves? Uh, so that's that's also what I'm keeping my eye on over the next five weeks. So, do you feel like talking about the defensive end group, Mike? And we we spent some time. What do you do with AJ Epinesa? What is your best opinion on him? He's a guy I wanted to make sure we touched on before training camp begins. Yeah. I'm a he's a DN2 type of guy. Where do you stand with AJ Epinesa and what what does the team do with him? I mean, he's on his final year of his deal. So this is the exact opposite of what you do with that Oliver. Well, I was okay with extending Oliver because let, let's be real, like Oliver was a polarizing player, and in a way, Epinesa is to a lesser degree. I was okay with extending Oliver because you invested a top 10 pick in I still think he's good enough where you know you're going to get a solid contributor for the next two, three, four years. Maybe he'll never be the top 10 pick worthy player that you selected. Uh, he might never be the top 5, 10 D tackle in the league, but you're going to get solid production. And ultimately, with good players around him, he should be a, a strong D tackle for you in the future. Epineza is a tough one because we just had the one year where he had six and a half sacks where he, the metrics were halfway decent, and he showed that he can produce. But the first two years were not impressive. I say prove it that you can do this one more time. Prove it that last year was not a fluke and that you are what, what you showed. Can you be a seven-sack guy? Can you produce at a higher level? Because I would be challenging A.J. Apinesa going into this year, basically saying, if you show that you're – you're capable. We're a hundred percent fine with like sticking with you and maybe even giving you a higher percentage of snaps as Vaughn gets older. And maybe yeah. we can find a way to get a, a contract that's fair to you, but also fair to us where we're not having to pay top defensive end money uh, for someone that might get seven, eight sacks. I think Epineza is someone that the bills would want to be part of their future, but he needs to show that he deserves to be part of the picture still. Uh, because if we're going to be real with Von Miller's age, he is not going to be someone that you can rely on for a super high snap count and percentage of snaps as he continues to get older. So you almost need a guy like AJ Apeneza who might be able to step into a bigger role as that, that time goes on to be that alternate 
uh, next to uh, Von Miller. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a really interesting position for the Bills to be in. I don't think they're going to re-sign him by any stretch. They want to see it again. And if he does it again, he's going to be in, in a range where he's going to get some money as a younger pass rusher. If he's going to get eight, nine, ten sacks uh, and back off of a six and a half, he's probably going to get paid. And maybe the Bills will sit in that compensation pick formula range. But I think that that's about all that they can do with him right now, outside of having like a dominant preseason or something and them getting like a, a premium asset now. I guess they could go that route. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a pretty uh, interesting situation to what they're going to do at the defensive end position. But they developed him. They, he's a story of that that this team preaches. So uh, if he has another good year, that's basically what the Bills will say. Like this is a guy that we drafted. We needed to change some weight a couple of times, and now he's a productive player. This is what we're about here in Buffalo, especially losing Leonard Floyd and Shaq Lawson next year. Kev, if he takes off, there will be a lot of Bills fans eating crow after the things that were said about him after two years, the things that were said about Brandon Bean's drafting, if A.J. Apeneza ends up being an eight-sack guy this year, if he ends up being a hit uh, for Bean, uh, someone that does end up producing in this part of this long-term future, we're going to have a lot of people having to take back their hot takes from early on in his career. And I think we forget some of these guys, it takes two, three years for them to really develop. It's not an instantaneous thing. Uh, even quarterback, when, when we drafted Josh Allen seventh overall, there's a lot of people are saying, like, it's going to take at least three years. Now, Josh was a unicorn and developed much faster than than anyone else. But sometimes we become a, become a victim of wanting instantaneous results and these big guys don't always have it right away, especially a guy that wasn't a first-round pick. We, we talk about it on our spaces um, a, a lot, Kevin, where when you talk to NFL people, a first-round pick should be an instant starter. A top 10, 15 pick, that sure. should be an instant, above-average player, borderline elite. But a second-round pick to NFL circles, if you're going to a solid team, not some rebuilding team that stinks – like what the Bills were for 17 years during the drought. Most second-round picks, it's a coin flip whether they're going to start right away or not. And the expectation is that by the end of their rookie year, the beginning of year two, they can put themselves in a position where they can start. Same thing with like a third-round pick. You're hoping maybe a year and a half uh, to two years you can you can get yourself to where you can be a solid starter. Much after that, you're talking special teams and developmental guys that, that could take multiple years. But Epineza, after a little bit of a slow start, isn't very far behind where you would want him after three years. If you told me six and a half sacks as a DN3 behind Von Miller and another first-round pick who also was trending to be double-digit sacks, I wouldn't be mad at that. If he can give me another seven and a half sacks this year, I think that would be pretty damn good for being a a second string rotational defensive end on this team. Right. I think that uh, it's going to be fun that the Bills had some specific plans. And the team, like you said, the team is good enough to where they can can, can develop these players. Yes, we want a Super Bowl win, but consistently winning playoff games is one of the only teams to consecutive win games in consecutive playoff seasons. Um, It's a skill. Can I I, I address one thing quick? I'm sorry, Kev. Yeah, uh, forever. I, I've seen some of your posts. I, I respect what you're saying, but I I do ad- disagree with a few of it. Um, 
I know you're saying we're judging based on what they've done, not what they're going to do. I, the, the truth of it is NFL teams are projecting. They're looking at what you're going to do for them. They don't care what you did in the past. They're looking for what you're going to do in the future. And when you are a draft pick, that is all what projection is. That's why you take a guy like Josh Allen, even though if you looked at his metrics in college, if you looked at his stats in college, you would have said, this guy is not deserving of being a first-round pick. But you look at a tall guy who's athletic, strong arm, mentally has it there. You, you tell yourselves, we can develop this. We can mold this ball of clay into a future star franchise quarterback. It's similar with all the other positions, too. You're drafting traits. You're, you're drafting someone that's either quick or somebody that's big and strong or someone that's very intelligent, and you're trying to develop them. We keep talking about how coaches are great with their schemes, how they're in, intelligent, how we want Dorsey to be a genius and be able to adjust. Well, another part of coaching is development. So let's not forget about it. Not everybody comes into the NFL ready to be an instant contributor. Stevie Johnson did nothing his first two years in Buffalo. In fact, most Bills fans couldn't even have named Stevie Johnson until his third year in the NFL when he finally had a breakout year. So I, I know you say it's not eating crow, but in this society where we have these hot takes, where we're talking about cutting Boogie Basham, where we're talking about after two years, A.J. Apeneza doesn't even deserve to be on a football field. Yes, that, that would be eating crow because those guys have proven many of those hot takes or could prove many of those hot takes to be incorrect. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But let's never forget a lot of sports is projecting how you think things will play out. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just depends. Like it depends like what the topic is, but you can't say something like, um, well, uh, Epinesa is a boss. He's not good. He's never going to be good. He's a, you know, you know, those kind of those you're wrong by saying those kind of things. Like you don't, you, you didn't realize that the player can actually develop. So it isn't just about your production today. Uh, it's about, you know, what that player's drafted and projected to do as well. So it isn't, you can't just say Blake in statements, like he's not good. I expected more from him. Um, because I, you know, I'm a better scout and I thought that, you know, this player would be better. Um, or whatever you may think. So it, it, you have to remember that like e players develop and that is the goal of this thing. That is the goal of this thing for Leonard Floyd to play this year. Look at, he wasn't great in Chicago. The goal of this thing is for him to be developed and be good future. Shaq Lawson is an example of someone that got better as seasons went on and then back in Buffalo now. So player Jordan Phillips, players get better and they're allowed to get better as well, Josh Hanlon even. So you can't just be reactive like that uh, especially when in this case now with Greg Rousseau and others, the unit is, is, is good. Like it, it's good with Leonard Floyd and Von Miller back soon that you, you have the affordability to do be a good defensive end for. And, and Kevin, so, you've watched enough other sports too. Yes. Like the bills right now are in win now mode. So like, yes, everything they're doing is tailored towards winning a super bowl and, and winning in the playoffs. That's why they make these big moves to at times to get a Von Miller to trade for Stefan Diggs because they know the importance of bringing in star players that can help get you over the hump. But you have 53 players that are on your active roster every Sunday and only a handful of them are going to be elite players. You're going to have a lot of good players in there, some average players and some below average players. So with the salary cap, you're going to need to take some guys that 
aren't necessarily the highest paid guys or some of your draft picks, and you're going to have to invest in long-term um, in development with them. So, yes, there is projections involved. That's not to say that you're not going all in on winning, but Kevin could even mention this from a from a baseball perspective. You literally have teams that are intentionally tanking over the course of three, four, five years just for the hope that they can build up their farm, develop it, and then win. And then a lot of teams in baseball that are at the top right now, outside of the big spenders, are teams that have taken that approach. You've seen that in hockey uh, with several teams. Uh, in football, is really no different. Like even NBA, that that was basically what started the trend of tanking for top three picks, top five picks. It is about projecting for the, the, the future a lot of times. And that's, like I said, we're not saying the Bills aren't all in. They, of course, are all in. But if you're you're going to make a cut and you have a guy that is the, the right body size, you have a second-round pick invested in him, and you think there still might be something untapped potential in him, that goes into why you might keep him over someone else on your team that might be slightly better, but you don't have as much invested in him. Might Maybe he's older. Maybe he's slower. So like these are all things that factor into the decisions on who stays, who goes. How do we want to go forward with this team? Yeah, fair enough. Well, what an action-packed hour and 15 minutes. And we're going to continue next week, Tuesday at 7 o'clock, after a plethora of great content all week long. Uh, so stay with us. Stay with the Bills. Stay with all of Cover One for all great content coming the rest of this week from all of our Cover One Sports Network shows. Uh, it's going to be uh, a passionate and a great discussion around roster development, roster build, and what we're expecting too. So watch out for all of our shows getting together here uh, from Wednesday to Friday uh, over going through a lot of different things. So we're, we're, we're pretty excited for this time of year to actually have real football. It's got to be Mike's favorite uh, rather than uh, discussing potential UDFAs who has, have not seen uh, a single snap yet. So we're going to see those snaps now from those players to see if there's anything there uh, from uh, this, this, this rookie class, as well as undrafted that are, that are going to be part of this rookie class. So Mike going to be a good one. We'll see everybody in Rochester, New York for some training camp talk throughout the entire cover one sports network team. We're getting excited. It's the time of year training our uh, preseason games just around the corner in a few weeks. Uh, there's going to be a lot to discuss coming up. Uh, on next week's show, we're going to break down the first week and what we want to see in the second week. And then, you know, start to make some proje roster projections. And then our, we'll be live on the show five weeks from now for cut down day, which will be here Tuesday. Uh, so we'll talk about the final roster and what the bills will need to do. And then a plethora, 1200 players will hit the waiver wire now all at once. So will the bills, we'll talk about any players that are cut around the league too, that could potentially be claimed if necessary by the Buffalo bill. So we're going to be uh, at camp. Make sure you say hi to Greg. Make sure you say hi to everybody, uh, Mike, um, and others that will be at, at camp as well with, with the Cover One crew. But uh, we're really excited to be at, uh, at training camp and to be here for uh, football season kicking off here live in uh, in Western New York, nine uh, 9.45 tomorrow. So from the Going Deep podcast crew, I'm Kevin. That's Mike. Thanks for tuning in here for the 75-minute show. And we'll be back at you, as always, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.